you have your Bibles, you can turn to Mark chapter 14 today. Mark chapter 14. Uh, we're going to be uh, in Mark 14 as we continue in this series, the second in our series called 12 Followers. I want to thank you so much for being here today. Uh, I, I know many of you are like, you know, just dying to, to, you can't wait for the parade to start and to sit in traffic all day. And so I, I promise you, I'll get you out of here on time, all right? So, hey, I'm uh, really glad that you're here today. It is St. Patrick's Day, and uh, for those of us who are Irish, it's a lot of fun. I, I read something that said uh, St. Patrick's Day used to be a religious holiday, and now it's just a celebration of our, uh, everything Irish. So it's just really kind of true. Uh, today, uh, we're going to be taking a look at one of the followers of Jesus who was probably the most... I would say, infamous of the followers of Jesus. And I, I don't know about you, like, there, there's something important about a name. Like, an, a name, someone's name can trigger a lot of thoughts about something. Uh, it could be, you know, it triggers something about our past. It might trigger something about, like, you know, a, a situation we went through. It might trigger something about you know, a win or a success, or maybe it triggers a, a thought about a failure. I'll give you, for instance, um, when I was in elementary school, we had a kid who was like the class clown, and um, I, I think I was more serious back then than I am now because it just drove me nuts, right? Like he goofed off all the time, and he was always in trouble, and he was always kind of bringing people into his trouble, and I got brought in a few times and got in trouble. So his name was Seth, and so I always... Like, that always, for me, was like an association thing. Seth was trouble, right? Okay, so then went to college, and we had a guy in our dorm, and uh, he, he was the one that I always did nuts stuff. Yes, even at Liberty University, a Christian university, there were some antics that went on, um, some shenanigans, if you will. So he was always at the center of this, okay? And I'm just saying that because I really can't talk about some of them. So anyway, at least in church. So he was, and guess what his name was? Seth. So every time I think of the name Seth, I think of the, the guy who was a class clown or shenanigans. So um, if your name is Seth, don't take that personally. But it just drives home that like when we hear certain names, and that might be personal for us, it might be something that, that we know of that maybe no one else knows of, but there are certain names that in the public arena, if you say them, like you automatically, like things come up in your mind, it kind of triggers uh, a thought in your mind. I, I know that if I list a few names, you, most of you know I'm a, I love history, and um, if I list some of these names, there's something that will, you will think of. It'll be a trigger for you, okay? So Benedict Arnold, Ezra Pound, Julia, Julius and Ethel Rosenberg, I studied them in college and in high school, Aldrich Ames, and Robert Hansen. And some of you who are history buffs, you know what just triggered in your mind, what is it? You can say it. Yeah, spies, right? Traitors, right? They were, you know, treason. They were, they were all uh, spies and convicted. Like one person thought of that. So my whole, you've proven my whole illustration to be untrue. Thank you very much. All right. So no, I, I, I'd realize that not any of you talked, but that, that's true. But I got to tell you that in those moments, some of them are from, from many, many years past, and some of them are a little more recent, like Robert Hansen was probably in the last decade or so, uh, where we found out he was a spy. Like, automatically, when you think of those names, you think of someone who betrayed their country. You think of someone who pretended or played to be a part that they weren't. They were actors. 
essentially, right? They were actors. They were playing a part, and they weren't true to who they were, and they got found out to be something that they weren't. And, and I think it's kind of funny and maybe a little bit ironic that um, we often will say, especially in years past, that if you came across someone who was something like a Benedict Arnold, people would often say they were just like Judas. They turned their back and they betrayed something or someone they loved. And today we're going to dive in and take a look at this character, this disciple, who is infamous in human history. Even if people aren't a part of church or have maybe not gone to church, most people know who Judas was and what he did. But to get us started today, uh, I want you to view this clip that we've got from the actor who played Judas in the miniseries The Bible. His name is Joe Redden. And, and, and it was originally aired on the History Channel. You can find it now on Netflix. Um, this, this series was an amazing series. We've used it for, from some clips. But um, I think that Joe Wedden here addresses what we all feel when we hear the name Judas. Check out the screens. Judas. Your friend from Galilee has caused quite a stir. What do you want with him? Just to talk. Judas is flawed, driven, and human. He, in some ways, kind of the most human in the sense of the flaws in his character that lead him to such a terrible decision and its awful, awful consequences that I hope, in the way that I've portrayed it, people will in some way understand that or, or, or that will resonate with them. And what's in it for me? We associate him with those aspects of greed and um, self-interest and, and putting monetary value above uh, other ideals. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's such a, a strong character and such a strong name and so associated with the darker side of humanity. Good. We shall expect to hear from you presently. This is our last meal together. Before I die. There was a, a wonderful sort of concentration and focus on set that day. What do you mean? The moment of playing something like the actual betrayal, the, the passing of the bread into my mouth, was gut-wrenching. But now I must tell you that one of you here will betray me. Who?
Can you imagine being the actor that played Judas? Uh, I thought to myself when I, when I saw that, I think the only thing worse than that is actually being Judas. And I got to tell you um, that even preparing for this message today, there was a lot of spiritual warfare going on in my life and in our lives. Uh, because when you talk about Judas, you're talking about someone who is aligned with the evil one, who is aligned with Satan so closely. It's almost scary to think about. John MacArthur in his book, 12 Ordinary Men, which is available back at guest services, I believe we should have some copies left. If not, we'll have more next week. We continue to order these. Is really where I've gotten a lot of the information. It's not the only resource, but the main resource. And I want to encourage you to go pick one of those up. I believe we're selling them for $10, which is cheaper than what we bought them for. I told the um, crowd last week it's not a good business plan, but I want to get them in your hands. And so I want to encourage you on that. John MacArthur calls Judas the most colossal failure in all of human history. And I believe that that's true. I believe that that's true. Uh, just a few facts about Judas that I want to let you know. He, his hometown was um, uh, Kerioth Hezron, which is a town in Judea. It's actually uh, south of Judea. Um, he's the only, and that, that puts him in a position of being the only one of the 12 disciples not from Galilee. Uh, Judea and Galilee were, were in generally the same region. But there were a lot of customs about Judea and Galilee that were different. And I think even that little fact in of itself sets the stage for what happens in this story. That he was slightly different than some of the other ones that were from Galilee. I, I, I call the ones that were from Galilee, most of them were fishermen or they were like involved in some sort of ancillary business surrounding uh, the fishing industry. And, and they were blue-collar followers of Jesus that were passionate and they followed Jesus because their heart was turned towards him. Judas Iscariot is the one that actually is, is not even from Galilee, and you'll see that kind of played out. Um, it, I, th I think it's important and ironic. His name, the name Judas, I want you to capture this. The one who you just saw on screen there, the one who betrayed the Savior, his name literally means Jehovah lead. Isn't that interesting? Like his parents, in giving him that name, probably had like a lot in their, in their minds that they wanted for him to accomplish, their boy to accomplish. It was something that they would have given him that name because they were hopeful about his future. The word Iscariot basically means uh, he is a man from uh, Kerioth Hezron, um, as that's kind of a form of that name. Uh, Judas gave his life to Jesus. And he spent three years as one of his disciples. He was in the inner circle. In fact, I don't know if you know this, but Judas was the treasurer of the group. Like these guys got together and decided that this man was the one who we would let hold all the money. Was that a misguided, bad judgment call on their part? I don't think it was. And part of the reason why is Judas played his part so well as a follower of Jesus, no one recognized that he would be the one who would betray Jesus. 
He played the part so well. He acted so well. He was a hypocrite. In fact, he epitomizes that word hypocrite because no one really knew. I, growing up, I kind of always got the sense that as they were around the table and as Jesus, as you just saw, handed uh, him the bread, the disciples probably were like, yeah, he is the one. Of course he was the one that would betray him. But, but as I've studied as an adult and, and, and gotten into the word, I've realized that they were probably very, very surprised and probably very dismayed themselves that this would be the one who was the one who betrayed Jesus. His life is a reminder for you and for me that it's possible to be a follower of Jesus with our lives, but not with our hearts. And you know, a follower of Jesus is someone who follows Jesus with both their hearts and their lives. The rest of the disciples had a heart for the Savior. Judas's heart was cold. It was hard towards the Savior. His name, as I mentioned, means Jehovah leads, and there's so much irony in that because he was really led by Satan. Jesus' call, uh, uh, Jesus's call of Judas is interesting in and of itself because with Judas, he actually chose to follow Jesus. With all the other disciples, Jesus made the first move and chose them, and so we don't really see much of a call of, G of Judas, but then Jesus said yes. And he brought him in. And I don't know about you, for me, that's one of the most curious parts of the story of this particular one of the 12 followers, is why did Jesus accept him? Why did he say yes? Why did he bring him in to the inner circle? I think we'll find out in a few minutes why that's the case. Judas, Judas knowingly chose to betray Jesus, as we'll see in a few minutes. And today I want to look at Mark 14. This passage is also repeated in Matthew, in the Gospel of Matthew, but I want to read Mark 14. Now, uh, just to set the stage here, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, and it's on the night that he is, he's about ready to be betrayed, and he's about ready to, to go through this phony trial, and he's about ready to go to the cross for our sins. And he's in Gethsemane, which is a place where there, was, there were olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane, and there were olive presses all around the place. And I believe today, I've never been there, but I believe if you go to Gethsemane today, that there are still some ruins of, of olive presses, and you can see that. And, and the word Gethsemane literally means to be pressed. And so think about that for a moment. Jesus is there in the Garden of Gethsemane, knowing his mission, knowing what was about ready to happen, and spiritually he's pressed, but all of a sudden, in a moment, he gets pressed physically because of a relationship that he had with one of his followers. Check this out, Mark 14. Now, by the way, Jesus has gone off. He's told his disciples to wait and pray because he wanted to go be alone with the Father before all this happens. And he shows up, and they're asleep. So, well done, disciples. Okay, so anyway, so he talks to them about why they're asleep in verse 43. And immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, who wasn't there, he came, one of the twelve, and with him a crowd with swords and clubs, from the chief priests and the scribes and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign saying, the one I will kiss is the man. Seize him and lead him away under guard. And when he came, he went up to him, Jesus, at once, and he said, Rabbi, teacher. And that would have been an interesting term to use because it would have been something that would have been 
a, a term of endearment, if you will, towards Jesus, that he was the one that he was following. But then, as we saw from the film, he kissed him on the cheek, signifying that he was the one that was supposed to be arrested. Verse 46, and they laid hands on him, Jesus, and they seized him. But one of those who stood by drew his sword and struck the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. We talked a little bit about that last week. That was Peter, impetuous, not wanting Jesus to go to the cross. That's an interesting part I'll I'll draw in a moment. Verse 48, and Jesus said to them, have you come out as against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? And then Jesus says this in verse 49, day after day, I was with you in the temple teaching and you didn't seize me. But let the scripture be fulfilled. You see, Jesus in this moment, we'll stop there. Jesus in this moment is basically saying to those who have come to capture him, look, I'm, I'm with you all the time in the temple. I'm there with you. I'm, I'm teaching. I'm part of worship. I'm part of what's going on. And you had all of this time to seize me, and you didn't do it. And so now you show up with swords. And then he says, and let the scriptures be fulfilled. And in that moment, I think we see a glimpse of why Jesus allowed Judas into the inner circle, and it relates to what we talked about last week. And that is is he knew, Jesus knew, that he was on one mission. And that mission was for the sins of the world, to save the world from their sins. And Jesus was so aware and so driven by being on this mission from his father that he was willing to allow Judas inside knowing, because remember Jesus is full man, but he's also full God, so he knew that this would happen, and he knew that Judas was the one. He allowed him in because he recognized the mission that he was on. Sometimes we think about the cross, and we think about the suffering that Jesus went through, and we forget that there were so many little decisions that Jesus made along the way to point himself to the cross. It wasn't just the pain and suffering. It also, imagine for a moment, put yourself in Jesus' shoes, imagine the the disappointment over the three years as Judas was playing this part of being a follower, but his heart wasn't tender towards Jesus. And imagine being in Jesus' shoes, going, wow, this is the one that's going to betray me. This is the traitor. This is the one who's going to turn his back. And I believe that Judas's life, and and you've seen some of the things that you saw on the screens in the the lead-in video, and what did Jesus do? How did he select them? Why did he select them? Well, Judas was selected by Jesus to fulfill scripture, to fulfill the prophets that said there would be one that would betray him. And even that part was on mission. But it makes me wonder then, that's why Jesus chose him, but what good can come of this? What good at all can come from the story? Well, I think there are two applications for us from the life of Judas. I think the first one is this. There may be some of you who, if you really stop for a moment and consider your life, you may not go as far as Judas went, but you're a follower of Jesus 
but your heart is not really following Jesus. Maybe you're someone who grew up in a Christian home and you're like, you know, I've been following Jesus really in name only for a long time because this was my parents' thing, not mine. And maybe your heart isn't tender towards the Savior. Maybe it's hard towards the Savior. Maybe today you're here and if you really considered your life, you're like, you know, I, I may believe in Jesus to be my Savior, but I'm not truly following him with my heart. Like I'm not making decisions about my life that's tender towards him, that's kind of leaning towards what he would do and what he would want from me. And listen, church, I want you to know if you're in that position, if you're here today and you're like, you know, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, by the way, on this. That's, a pretty, that's like, you know, a pretty big deal for me to ask you to raise your hand on something like that. But if, if you're out there and you're like that, I get that because I, I think that all of us in our Christian walk may have been at that place before where when we stop and evaluate how close we are to Jesus, we might be close to him in name, but we're not close to him in our commitment. And that means that we have this life of dichotomy of wanting one thing and living another way. And it's phony and it's fake. And, and I got to tell you, I've, I've been there before and it doesn't end up great. It certainly didn't for Judas. If you know the rest of his story, he ended up being in such dismay about his actions that he ended up committing suicide. And people like John MacArthur consider him the most colossal person in human history, colossal disaster in human history. My prayer for you today is if you would say, yeah, if I look at Judas, my life is a little bit like Judas or it's heading in that direction. Um, my challenge to you and my prayer for you is that you would have a heart of flesh and that you would ask God to have a heart of flesh. Ezekiel, all the way back in the Old Testament, tells it's God through Ezekiel telling the, the children of Israel this in Ezekiel 36, 26, and I will give you a new heart. And a new spirit, I will put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I'm here to tell you that today, if you're heading down that road, if you're like, man, I'm seeing the danger signs. I've ignored them for far too long. My heart is hard towards Jesus. I'm here to tell you today that you can make a decision today to turn back to him, and he will give you a new heart. And it may not come without cost. It may not come without a price. But I got to tell you, it's such a better way. It's such a better way. And I, but I think there, there's a second application. And that is an application if you view it through the lens of Jesus and the disciples. Put yourself in, in the disciples' shoes for a moment. You see, Jesus knew that Judas would betray him. But the disciples there at that Passover feast, at that Last Supper, as Jesus handed him the bread, I would imagine that they were like, oh my goodness, I, I, I can't believe it was, it's him. Some of them might have thought, I'm surprised it's not me. <laughs> Some of them were probably, the ones that were really concerned about money were probably like, we gave him the money? Oh my goodness. 
And they were surprised and dismayed. And I would imagine that these disciples, probably like, like Judas turning his back on Jesus, for many of them, it was like he had turned his back on them. And I would imagine that there's probably more than one person in here today who may say, you know, I can honestly say I'm not a person like Jesus, but I've had people like Jesus in my life who were fake, phony Christ followers, and they betrayed me, and maybe they didn't do it exactly in the way that Ju Judas did it. Maybe they didn't do it that directly, but I have been hurt and wounded by so-called Christians. I don't know if you realize this, church, but we get a bad name sometimes, and we bring it on ourselves. Because the church, Christians, people who call themselves Christ followers, we, I'm not talking about this specific church, but we as a people, we have the tendency to be a little bit judgmental and a little bit overly critical with the people in our lives. And sometimes that judgment and that criticism causes deep wounds. And maybe you're here today and you're like, wow, I, I don't know how Judas felt, but I certainly know how the disciples feel because I've been hurt by church. I cannot tell you, listen, I have, I have countless hundreds, maybe even more than hundreds of times people have come into my office for counseling and they start with that statement, I have been hurt by church. And as a pastor, I know how you feel because I've been hurt by church too. But here's what I want to tell you today. If you're in that group of people, man, I am so sorry. But you haven't been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by people who are part of the church or a person that's a part of the church. Maybe you walked in here today and maybe your struggle, maybe the distance between you and God is because of something, who was, something that someone said or something that someone did who, who called themselves a Christian and, and they've done something and they've betrayed you in a sense. I believe that those, scar, those, those wounds can be healed and I believe they can turn into scars. And I know for my life, I kind of walked through a bit of a process, and it, it fits here today. Just four quick points today. If you're here and you feel like maybe there's been a person or, or a people in my past that have been in my life like Judas, and they turned their back on me. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was someone at church. Maybe it was a neighbor. Maybe it was a spouse or a child. Or maybe it was a parent. And the wounds are deep. And four things I, I want to encourage you on. First and foremost, if you're sitting in the shoes of the disciples, you, you realize that you cannot control the decisions of those around us. In that moment when it was Judas, and in that moment in the garden when he actually went to Jesus and kissed him and called him rabbi, how hypocritical is that to call him this name, rabbi, and yet to give him away with a kiss? You know, we can't control the decisions of people around us, but secondly, we can control our reaction to the circumstances of our lives. If I'm really honest with you, man, I know that this is going to be tough for some of you to hear, but if I'm really frank and honest with you, as a pastor, I'm, and even before I was a pastor, I, some of the people that have wounded me the most are Christians. I would say 
most, if not all of them. And, and maybe part of what you're struggling with, like I struggled with for a period of time, was my faith was rocked in God because of the behavior of Christians. Well, well I, I, you know, my reaction to this, it's St. Patty's Day, I'm, I got some Irish in me, so you know what that means, I got a temper sometimes. Sometimes my reaction was to lash back out, right? To kind of get down at their level or, or to go to a, a place that's, you know, not a good place. Maybe you're there today. I, I want to let you know you can't control what they do, but you can control your reaction and here's how, it's the third and fourth point. It's because you, if you're a Christ follower, you have the spirit of God living in you. Sometimes we forget that great gift that he's given us of God's Holy Spirit taking a residence in us. And we can rely on his Holy Spirit to help heal the wounds that we have. We have the Spirit of God living in us, and so we can then, point number four, choose to ask Him to direct our ste steps each and every day. Some of you are like, wow, message on Judas, that took a weird turn. I can't get away from the disciples that were in the room. I can't get away from the disciples that were in the garden. Because my guess is, is that in a crowd this size, there are more of you who have people like Judas in your life than are people like Judas. And my prayer for you is that you would receive the healing that can come from him. The impact of sin is outrageous in our world. I watched, I'm sure you did this week, the news stories of these people, many of whom we know, maybe some of them that we've respected, that gathered, in some cases, millions of dollars together to try to get their kids into a better college. I mean, Cynthia and I are, are trying, we're trying to put together half a million dollars to get our kids in a better college. It is not going well, I'll tell you that, okay? So... <laughs> I mean, I just sit there and I'm watching this and I'm like, who does this? How does this happen? And there's a group of people that were talking on a particular news station and um, one of the guys in summary who doesn't claim to be a Christian that I'm aware of summarized his whole statement and, and their whole conversation by, by making this statement and he said it almost as an aside and this is what I'm gonna leave you with today. He said this, he said, people are as sinful as their options will allow. <laughs> wow. I was like, man, somebody needs to say that that's standing in a pulpit, not on TV. That was good. That was a whole sermon right there. It's true. It's true. <laughs> and you and I, man, we're one step away from being a life that's like Judas. And we're one relationship away from someone who <sighs> may cause a wound like those disciples I'm sure had. And so my questions for you both to consider as we, we, we end today is, is are you willing to surrender your past, your present, and your future to Jesus? Because that's the only way that he will take that heart of stone and replace it with a heart of flesh is when we surrender all of it, all of it.
to him. And then secondly, are the whys of your life, why did that person hurt me? Why did that person leave me? Why did that person's students, why did they stab me in the back? Why did they betray me? Why have they hurt me? Are the whys of your life holding you back from fully trusting Jesus to order your steps each day? Listen, I want you to know something that I had to walk through uh, many years ago, and that is is that, that Jesus didn't say those things that hurt me. Jesus didn't say those things that hurt you. That's not God's message to you. And you can find healing when each and every day you step into his grace. You hold on to him. Not some kind of system, not some kind of plan that's out there in the world, not some kind of conventional wisdom, but when you hold on to him and the spirit, God's Holy Spirit in your life. That's my challenge. It's my prayer for you today in this place. Cynthia's going to come on up here while I pray, and she's going she's gonna to play a song she wrote. And I want you to, as you hear these words, I want these words to just begin to settle in your mind and in your heart and in your life. And I want you to, I'm going to challenge you to think about your life and check and check your life and consider if maybe your life is following Jesus, but your heart is not. Maybe you're moving in the direction of being a little bit like this disciple. Or maybe you walked in here today, and there are some wounds, and it's not pretty, and it's pretty ugly that someone's caused in your life. And I want to challenge you to give that to him as well. Don't allow that person or those people to shake your faith in the one who came to give you eternity in heaven with him. That is a great gift, and that is the best message ever. Father, I thank you. It's hard for me to say I thank you for Judas because of what he did, because of all that he did, because of the phoniness of his life and his words and his actions. But God, to the extent that you want to use this very unusual, infamous disciple in our life right now, God, we thank you for it. God, I pray for those who may have walked in here and they're far from you. Maybe they've never had a heart that is soft towards you. Or maybe they once had a heart that was soft towards you, but it's grown cold, it's grown stale, it's grown hard. God, I pray in your strong name that everyone listening to my voice, whether they're in this room or on, on the webcast, God, I, I pray that you, your Holy Spirit would move in our lives and that you would come in and that you would take that heart of stone and you would replace it with a heart of flesh. God, that we would have our ear bent towards your words and that we would have our heart bent towards your ways. And God, that our feet would follow the path that you have for us. God, I pray for a renewed faith for some who may be in here, for a new faith for those who, who've never accepted you as their Savior. God, I pray that today would be the day that they would put their faith in you. But God, I want to also pray for those who walked into this room that are in the sound of my voice and they've been harmed and hurt and damaged to their very core by people who call themselves Christ followers. 
Father, in the name of Jesus, in the strong name of Jesus, I pray for healing in this room. I pray for, for scars that you bind up, not open wounds. God, I pray that you would work so strongly in our lives against the enemy. And God, I pray for anyone in here whose faith has been shaken. They've entered into doubt and discouragement about their faith in you because of someone and, and something they said or something they did. Father God, you're bigger than all of that. You're so much bigger than all of that. God, help each one of us to stop grasping at straws. Help each one of us to hold on to you, Jesus. Here in a minute, as Cynthia sings this song and plays this song that she wrote, I, I wanna invite you, if God is moving in your life, if the Holy Spirit is moving in your life right now, um, I just wanna invite you to come up front here. I'm gonna be up here. We've got some folks over at the cross. Um, and, and I wanna invite you to come up and be prayed for, come up and maybe talk to someone. Um, I don't want you to go at this alone. If you're dealing with one of these issues, I, I want you to be prayed for. And so as Cynthia prays, you're more than, or Cynthia sings and plays, that you're more than welcome to come on up and be prayed for. Father God, I thank you so much that you are the one who we can follow. You're the one that we can keep our eyes on. You're the one that we can hold out and we can grab, God, and we can hold on to you. And I pray that you would allow us to be able to do that today in, in our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray.